Demi Lovato has released a new song celebrating her pro-abortion stance called Swine. These lyrics paint a really stark but important picture of what godlessness looks like when we sacrifice everything on the altar of bodily autonomy. Also, it's been eight years since the Supreme Court decided on Obergefell redefining marriage away from the age-old definition of a man and a woman. What has that slippery slope since 2015 really looked like? But first, we are going to start with a good news story, an incredible story of redemption and adoption, a firefighter rescuing a baby that has now become his and his wife's daughter. So we've got a lot to talk about today, a lot to get into. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout. That's GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Tuesday. Is it Tuesday? I think it is. Hope everyone has had a wonderful week so far. Got a lot to get through today. Um, A lot of good feedback from yesterday's episode. The thing I kept hearing was that you want to share the episode with those who are on the fence about abortion or about how to vote. So do that. I think obviously they're going to have some disagreements. They may even be offended by some of the things that I said, but you never know what can plant seeds. So if you appreciated yesterday's episode, go ahead, share it with a friend who may be on the fence or wondering why we should vote our convictions and why this whole game of moral relativism that both sides are equally bad or equally good is just silly. It's just silly and it's not very thoughtful. Um, So thanks for your good feedback for uh, yesterday. Go listen to it if you haven't already. Also, in a couple days, just a couple days, we've got a new merch drop that you guys have been asking for. So stay tuned for that, AllieMerch.com. You can check out what we already have, but uh, the new stuff you're going to be really excited about, especially you related bros out there. Okay, so we wanted to start today's episode with some good news, a good news story that I think is so sweet because as usual, as we are being tossed to and fro on the uh, undulating waves of our culture and we have to go through these chaotic and sad stories, I do like to be reminded and to remind y'all that there are good things happening, that God's work doesn't always make headlines. Sometimes it does, like the story we're about to talk about, Uh, but he is always accomplishing his purposes. He is always spreading his gospel. He is always advancing his kingdom. And that has not stopped even for a millisecond since the beginning of time. His eternal plan of redemption is going off without a hitch. Even in this very fallen and broken world in which we live, there are uh, there are shoots of light shining through the crevices. And we like to look for those as much as we possibly can. So we wanted to talk about this story about a firefighter who found an abandoned baby in a safe haven baby box. So let me tell you from what is reported from um, today. I'm glad today reported on this because it's a very sweet pro-life story. A firefighter in Ocala, Florida. Is that how you pronounce it? Ocala? Those of you who live there, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Ocala, Florida was pulling an overnight shift at the station in January of this year when he was awoken at 2 a.m. by an alarm. He knew that it wasn't a fire alarm. It was a different kind of alarm that he heard, but 
that a newborn had been placed in the building's safe haven baby box, a device that allows someone to safely and anonymously surrender a child, no questions asked. This was the first infant to be surrendered through the safe haven baby box in Florida. So just a little bit of background in case you haven't heard of a safe haven box um, it's Florida's only, uh, this is Florida's only box. This is the only location in Ocala, Florida. There are 153 active baby boxes currently in the United States, according to the Safe Haven Baby Box website. This is an organization that was started by a woman who herself was conceived in rape and then was abandoned. And so God has just used her story that started from a place of brokenness to be a vessel of redemption for so many families and so many babies. There have been 132 babies legally and safely surrendered through these boxes since their founding in 2017. The devices are temperature controlled. They feature a bassinet style bed inside. Easy for retrieval. Safe Haven Baby Boxes founder Monica Kelsey said babies in their boxes on average for about a minute and a half because they're um, they are always being staffed. In this case, it was at a fire station. And so a firefighter heard the alarm and immediately went down to look in the box. Um, He actually thought, according to the story, that it was a false alarm at first. The firefighter went to the box and was surprised to see that there really was a healthy infant, I'm trying not to tear up, uh, wrapped in a pink blanket. And he said this, okay, I don't know if I'm gonna not be able to cry. This is just so sweet. He said this, quote, I picked her up and held her. We, (laughs) okay, I'm also pregnant. This is really hard for me to read without crying. Um, He recalls, I picked her up and held her. We locked eyes and that was it. I've loved her ever since that moment. The firefighter and his wife had been struggling for more than a decade to have a baby. When taking the baby to the hospital as part of the surrender procedure, the firefighter wrote a note and left it with Zoe. He he said, quote, I explained that my wife and I had been trying for 10 years to have a baby. I told them we'd completed all of our classes in the state of Florida and were registered to adopt. All we needed was a child. When the firefighter finally spoke to his wife, she started crying. He did not want his wife to get too excited yet. He feared that the note he wrote would not stay with Zoe and that she'd be gone. He described, um, those couple days is very stressful because you have to go through still the state. Um, this child, t- just depending on the laws, but they go st- uh, they go through um, child protective services to be then uh, placed uh, for adoption, to be placed with a family. And so there was no guarantee that just because this firefighter rescued the baby and left the note that they were actually going to get the child. Zoe was placed in the station's safe haven baby box on January 2nd. Then on January 4th, she was home with the firefighter and his wife. The couple adopted Zoe in April. The way I found her, this was God helping us out, he says, adding that it's difficult not to cry when he tells the story. Yeah, I can imagine so. He also hopes that his story gives birth moms closure or gives the birth mom closure. We want her to know that her child is taken care of and that she's loved beyond 
words. Oh my goodness, I just love this story that God had already planned this little baby's life and how she was going to be rescued before she was even conceived. That's what Psalm 139 tells us, that before we were even born, God had planned every single one of our days before any of them came to be. And there should be absolutely no shame at all for the mothers who say, I can't do this for whatever reason and put their babies in the safe haven box. That is such a loving and selfless thing to do because there are stories. You probably heard the story of baby India from Georgia uh, a few years ago who was placed in a a plastic bag thrown into the woods. And thankfully, she was saved by first responders in that video. I saw it posted by Live Action the other day. Just so sad, but so sweet that this healthy, crying, writhing little baby, she was rescued by these first responders who were so gentle and so kind and so compassionate when they were talking to this child. And then the mother actually ended up uh, being charged and convicted of child abandonment. But you can avoid uh, that kind of cruelty. You can avoid that kind of choice. You can avoid that kind of punishment by finding a safe haven box. And really, I wish that they were available, you know, on every block um, because they really are effective. Having saved 132 babies, they also have a hotline uh, that women can call. You can go to their website. We'll link it in our description that they've referred women to pregnancy centers. They've helped women with adoption processes. And I just think it's so beautiful how God put all orchestrated all of this to rescue this child's life. And also that Wow, for years and years, they had struggled with loss or they had struggled with infertility. They had struggled with wanting to have a child and God had this planned all along. So that's just another beautiful lesson in this that in our waiting and in our doubting and in our asking why God, why, why haven't you fulfilled the desire of my heart that you placed in me? You tell us to be fruitful and multiply. Why haven't you done this for me yet? We have no idea. We have no idea how God, what God is planning. We have no idea how he's already glorifying himself. We have no idea what he's doing in our hearts, in our lives, as we are waiting, uh, as we are being sanctified. Remember that for the Christian, nothing is wasted. No hardship, no difficulty, no moment of waiting, no mundane task that you are fulfilling. Nothing is wasted for a Christian, but it's all creating for us a glory that far outweighs everything we experience, both good and bad today. So I just see this as like such a beautiful picture too of the gospel that like this is this is us like we do nothing to rescue ourselves like we are just as vulnerable, just as helpless, just as defenseless, just as needy as this child who was placed inside this box. And God, through his power, through his love, through his his goodness completely uh rescues us and saves us. And so such a beautiful story. I just wanted to start out the day with that because we are going to talk about the sadder, more turbulent stuff, but gosh, God is always working. And I guarantee there are stories like this happening on a daily basis that we don't see. So don't think that everything that you see on Twitter, everything that you see on Instagram, everything that has discouraged Christians in the month of June, that that is the main narrative. The main narrative is always that God is on his throne. And there are beautiful things being worked out on a daily basis for his glory and our good. Okay, now we're going to get into some 
other stuff. Very different tone, this next story that we are about to talk about, but still very important. Still very important. Uh, Let me pause. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Covenant Eyes. So Covenant Eyes is a software that you can download on your devices uh, to, uh, to keep you accountable and to protect yourself and to protect your children from seeing pornography, from seeing inappropriate images and inappropriate content. 90% of children ages 8 to 16, 90% have viewed porn online, most while doing homework. That number is staggering. Today's pornography is more violent. It's more vile, more dehumanizing than ever before. And so we have to act. You have to act as a parent, not just to protect yourself and your own eyes and your own heart, but especially, gosh, your children who just don't have the capacity to process this stuff really can affect them negatively long term. Um, So just to help you, help you put something in place that will give you enough other layer of protection. You should download Covenant Eyes. It has filtering to protect and block the bad stuff on your kids' devices and your own devices. Um, and it can just make sure that your technology is protected as much as possible. Get Covenant Eyes accountability software free for 30 days by visiting breakfree.help slash So you'll get 30 days of Covenant Eyes for free. See if it works for your family by going to breakfree.help slash Allie. That's breakfree.help slash Allie. Okay, I just wanted to say one more thing about the safe haven laws. You can go to childwelfare.gov, childwelfare.gov, and see what the regulations are in your state because every state has different stipulations around this. Like, for example, in Alabama, California, Colorado, Hawaii, Michigan, Washington, Wisconsin, they limit relinquishment, like legal relinquishment of your baby to infants who are no more than 72 hours old. Whereas in some states, like uh, Missouri, it can be 45 days old, 60 days in Kansas, Louisiana, South Carolina, South Dakota, and Texas, 90 days in New Mexico, one year in North Dakota. I mean, that's wild. That's why. I mean, I'm in a good way. I'm glad that there are legal means, but it's just crazy how big the range is. So go to childwelfare.gov. You'll be able to see the different stipulations. It's really important that we get this information out there. I think a lot of women just don't know um, if they're in a crisis situation. They don't have to go through drastic measures that will actually traumatize or, or, or hurt their child, but they can do the most compassionate thing possible, which is try to give that child a loving home that can take care of them. All right, Uh, let's get into, so that was light. Let's look at the darkness just a little bit and respond to it with truth. So Demi Lovato, you've probably heard about this. She just released a new song called Swine. Now, Demi Lovato is a singer and she's had a lot of She's had a lot of trouble over the past few years. She, I think, went to rehab because of addiction for a while there, which is very sad. She claimed to be a lesbian at one point. Then she claimed to be a they, them. Now she's back to she, her, because she said they, them was too exhausting. Having to correct, sorry, having to correct people and all that stuff. Yeah, because it's not natural to call someone that you know is a woman uh, something other than she heard. It's definitely not natural to call someone by a uh, plural word like they. So, but now she's still, you know, in her progressive activism. 
And she has written this song and performed this song um, that is apparently about abortion. So this is via People magazine. On Thursday, June 22nd, Demi Lovato released her newest song, Swine, about her strong pro-abortion stance just days prior to the anniversary of Roe being overturned. For one year, the profits from the song will be donated to the Reproductive Justice Justice Fund at the Demi Lovato Foundation. The funds will then be directed to three nonprofit organizations, NARAL, Pro-Choice America, Plan C, the National Network of abortion funds. I mean, there are just so, there's so much here. There's so much here. I don't know why it kind of just like makes me laugh a little bit in a very dark and sad way. Abortion is not a laughing matter, but I feel like she's just trying so many ways and so many different avenues to be taken so seriously, not just as an artist, but also as this activist. And if you want to know why this is so terrible, go back and listen to yesterday's episode where we remind ourselves and remind the audience of what an abortion is, like physically, scientifically, what an abortion entails. So she released this statement on Twitter as she released her song. It's been one year since the Supreme Court's decision to dismantle the constitutional right to a safe abortion. It's not a constitutional right. It's not. It's not a constitutional right to a safe abortion. And although the path forward will be challenging, we must continue to be united in our fight for reproductive justice. Again, as we said yesterday, euphemism after euphemism after euphemism, They don't actually say the words killing a baby or killing a human, which is actually what abortion is. Reproductive justice. What does that even mean? I mean, this is the product. This is the conclusion of reproduction. You had the choice, unless you were raped, uh, you had the choice of um, uh, behaving in a way that would reproduce, engaging in the act that would end in reproduction or not. Uh, I created swine to amplify the voices of those who advocate for choice and bodily autonomy. I want this song to empower not only the birthing people of this country, but everyone who stands up for equality to embrace their agency and fight for a world where every person's right to make decisions about their own body is honored. Okay, you can make decisions. You can make decisions. I want to empower you right now, Demi Lovato, that you do not have to have unprotected sex. That is a choice that you can make. You do not have to do that. And yes, consent to sex is consent to pregnancy. It is. I mean, consent eating, you're consenting to your body um, processing that food and then releasing that food into waste. Like that is the natural process of eating and drinking. You know what's going to happen. If you drink water, you're going to have to pee later. If you're pregnant, you're going to have to pee five times later. That's just how it goes. So if you have sex, whether it's protected or not, you know that one possible result of that is having a child is getting pregnant. And so there are lots of choices that can be made before pregnancy happens. I understand that rape happens. I understand that conception through rape happens. That's absolutely terrible. Still, my stance is that we should give the death penalty to the rapist and not the child. Um, But in the vast majority of cases when it comes to abortion, 99%, um, it is not rape. And so there are lots of choices, lots of agency, lots of autonomy that can be exercised before we are talking about killing the life of an innocent child who had no part, by the way, uh, in the choices that were made to lead to conception. Okay, so we're going to play you part of this music video. Uh, It's very, 
It's very demonic looking. If you're just listening to this, she's wearing like red and black. She looks very, very angry. Everyone looks very angry in it. I'll talk about it a little bit more, but listen to the words that sweet Demi Lovato sings for us. Okay, so that's our Demi girl. And um, as I said, she looks very, very dark, very angry. She's saying, my life, my choice. Uh, but it gets even worse. And I can't even I can't even say everything that she says. The lyrics are very, very crass. And so I'll just let you I'll, I'll just I'll let you kind of fill in the blanks. God forbid I want to blank whatever the blank I want to God forbid I want to blank whoever the blank I want. Um, I, I can't even read this. You know what? I can't even read this. She's basically just saying, look, if I have sex and he decides not to wear protection, then I have to be punished by having a baby. The chorus is my life, my choice, my rights, my or my life, my voice, my rights, my choice. It's mine or I'm just swine. My blood, my loins, my lungs, my noise. It's mine or I'm just swine. And then she says, picture your faith. Imagine your God and even your holy Bible is suddenly banned. Do you understand? Now, doesn't that sound entitled? It's your book, but it's my survival. We got to grow and we got to raise and we got to feed and bathe them. And if you won't, they call you a witch to burn at the stake in Salem. Thought by now they changed, but we're still waiting. Give these MFers hell. Okay. So, I mean, it, again, it's just kind of laughable. It, it is. It's just like a little bit silly how just stupid this is, really. I mean, it's just completely not just morally bankrupt, but intellectually bankrupt. Like she doesn't know what she's talking about. I guarantee that if I sat here right now and I asked her, like, what was the Dobbs decision? What was what was Roe v. Wade? Like, what was the overturning of Roe v. Wade? How did it what were the consequences of it? Tell me about some of these pro-life laws. In how many states is abortion legal? The answer is actually all 50. In all 50 states, abortion is legal to a certain extent. In a lot of states, it is legal through all nine months with very few stipulations. And so like, what exactly is she talking about here? Women being burned at the stake for having abortions or the Bible being banned? Is she saying that's comparable to saying that you can't kill a child just because the child uh, resides inside of the womb. Uh, so, she, and she's saying that she's, if she can't choose to have an abortion, then she's just swine. She's just a pig. I think it's very interesting that she chooses that terminology, that she chooses that word. We see swine or pigs used a lot in scripture um, as an example of being unclean. And I think specifically of, I think specifically of the story uh, in Mark 5, when Jesus casts the demons out of the man who was wandering in the cemetery and the demons beg him, can you please just send us into those pigs over there? And so Jesus cast out the demons and sent the demons legion into the pigs and the pigs just ended up running off the hillside into their death. That's kind of, I don't know, it just seems a little bit uh, comparable here. It seems like that's kind of what's going on. These are demonic ideas. She's calling herself 
a swine, I guess, of all things, of all things, because she can't have an abortion. These are definitely pig-like assertions that she's making. Like she is basically glorifying selfishness. She's glorifying this kind of crass, promiscuous lifestyle where she should be able to choose what she wants to do, whatever she feels like doing in any moment, no matter the consequences that have to uh, that have to be endured by other people. And so there's something like very spiritual going on, I think, in Demi Lovato's life. I think that there's something very deep that she's fighting, very demonic that she's fighting. Obviously, she struggled with her identity. She struggled, I think, in the relationship with her body. She struggled with who she is, why she's here, uh, why she matters, what the purpose is of all of this, all those big existential questions that all of us are trying to find. And she's trying to find the approval and the fulfillment, the satisfaction that she has been seeking all of her life in uh, progressive activism and trying on these different identities, going by they, them, saying that she's a million different sexualities. She's even, I think, changed her name maybe a couple times. And she's just really struggled. And so So I do have some compassion for her. I mean, she is like a sheep without a shepherd. She is like a lost sheep and she's hanging out with wolves thinking that they're going to take care of her when really she's going to end up being devoured. And it seems like we've seen that over the past few years of her life. And so while I could be angry about this song, honestly, it's not moving the needle. Like it's not going to change anyone's mind. It's not going to turn anyone from pro-life to being pro-choice. I don't even think it's going to encourage anyone to you know, abort their child. It's just adding to the noise. And it really kind of makes me sad for her. It makes me really sad for her. I see a lot of desperation and just a lot of despair uh, in Demi Lovato and her voice and the words that she says and how she's tried so hard to be something and to figure out who she is over the past few years. So I just pray that Demi Lovato, that God works on her heart and that she hears the gospel, that she believes that she would uh, abandon the way of life that she has been pursuing, that she would realize that that her journey to try to find um, the love that she has been looking for has reached a dead end. It's reached a dead end. And she's tried and failed to find purpose um, in all the wrong places, and it can only be found in her creator. I do appreciate, though, how through her lyrics, she does show like this is what godlessness looks like. It's your body. It's your choice. It is you who calls the shots. You determine what right and wrong is. You determine what truth is, and everyone else be damned. There's no such thing as sin except for saying that there's sin. There's no such thing as right and wrong except for what you determine to be right and wrong. You are your own determinant of truth. You're your own moral arbiter. That's what godlessness is. You worship yourself. And so, of course, you're going to sacrifice a baby on the altar of your own bodily autonomy. And so there is some effectiveness in her messaging there just showing us, yeah, this is what life without Christ looks like. You worship yourself gosh, and the God of self is cruel, right? We see that over and over again. It's so cruel and so demanding um, and so bloodthirsty too. And so oh, just a good depiction of what darkness is, but I have hope for Demi Lovato. I do. I, I hope that God will redeem her and will save her because he can do 
anything. Um, All right, let's move on to our next story. Let me pause and tell you about our next sponsor for the day, which is Good Ranchers. Um, Good Ranchers is one of the best companies that I have ever worked with because they not only offer an incredible product, an incredible service by giving all, putting all American meat right on your doorstep, on dry ice every month through their subscription service, but the people who own Good Ranchers are also just incredible. Like they are very mission-minded. They love America. So they're patriots, but they're also pro-life. They're Christians. And they really see this as a calling uh, from God in order to glorify him by giving you good meat, but also providing for those in need. They have this really cool thing going on where for every box that's ordered, they donate 10 meals to people who are in need. They've helped over 100,000 people who are in need by donating these boxes. And so it's just a win all around. So I think you could probably, if you order today, you can probably get a box of meat before the 4th of July. You probably still have time to do that. And then you can grill out on the 4th of July honoring American farmers and ranches by getting all of your meat from them through Good Ranchers. Go to GoodRanchers.com. Use code Allie at checkout for $30 off your order. GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. GoodRanchers.com, code Allie. Okay, so yesterday was the eight-year anniversary of the Obergefell decision. That was the Supreme Court decision that said it is a constitutional right for two men or two women to get married, redefined what we had always known uh, about marriage across cultures, by the way, that the marital relationship, that the union between a man and a woman is unique and that men and women are not interchangeable. And so trying to redefine marriage as something that it can never be is going to cause a lot of moral and cultural chaos. That was our argument. Uh all the way back in 2008 when people were debating this, even before that, people had been debating what is the definition of a marriage? What are the rights of two women or two men who want to be in some kind of civil union? Should they have all of the rights of a married man and woman? And believe it or not, Democrats and Republicans uh, agreed on this for a, a long period of time. But no, there is something unique. There is something sacred, different, elevated about the potential life-giving nature of a husband and a wife that is simply not brought to the table when it's two women or two men. And even in 2008, when Obama was campaigning, he went to California and he was campaigning at uh, Rick Warren Saddleback Church. And he affirmed that he believed that marriage is between a man and a woman And several years ago, Joe Biden did as well. But of course, as the cultural winds changed, so did Obama and Biden and the Democrat Party. So in 2010, President Barack Obama affirmed that marriage unites a man and a woman. 2010, along with 45 states and the federal government. Then in 2012, Obama evolved evolved. And the Supreme Court took cases involving marriage law. On June 26, 2013, the Supreme Court struck down the Defense of Marriage Act in a 5-4 vote, which struck down the federal definition of marriage as a male-female union. Then in 2015, the Supreme Court issued the Obergefell versus Hodges decision 5-4, which redefined marriage for the nation. 
Same-sex marriage advocates told the public they sought only the freedom to marry, thought it quickly began to, uh, though it quickly began to clash with religious freedom, which is exactly what Clarence Thomas said that it would do in his dissent um, by working to shut down Catholic adoption agencies and harass evangelical uh, bakers and florists. Of course, we've talked about Jack Phillips many times. His story actually goes back to before Obergefell in Colorado in 2012. He was approached by uh, a gay couple who wanted a cake for their gay wedding. And he said, look, I'll make you a cake, but I'm not going to make a cake for the wedding of two men because I'm a Christian. And that violates my conscience. And of course, progressives have tried to ruin his life since then um, because that's what they do. They claim that, oh, it's Christian nationalists and Christians who just want power. Voting Republican is just about power. Well, who is harassing innocent bakers because they want to abide by their conscience. They want to abide by their Christian faith and to use the power of the law to try to force Jack Phillips to create artwork, to create a product um, that contradicts his own values. That's what the state of Colorado tried to do. And it wasn't until the Supreme Court narrowly decided Um, Yeah, you know, how he was treated during this process by the state of Colorado is discriminatory against his uh, religion. Has he been given any freedom whatsoever? But he's continued to be harassed. He's in lawsuit after lawsuit. Now he's got transgender activists trying to get him to make cakes that uh, celebrate the so-called transitioning of an individual, which he refuses to do. Um, And so we've seen this kind of battle, not from Jack Phillips, but also from different florists, different business owners who are bearing the brunt of the false promises of the LGBT movement, which is that we just want freedom to be ourselves. We just want freedom to marry. It doesn't affect you. We just want to be left alone. How does it How does it even impact your life? We just don't want to be bothered. Well, we're seeing how they are mobilized and then empowered by like by a decision like a Bergefell to make everyone else not just comply, but also celebrate their choices and celebrate their unions. And so there was an article that was written back in 2020 uh, in USA Today. And let's see, it was by Ryan Anderson and Robert George, two conservatives. And the article says this, the law now effectively teaches that mothers and fathers are replaceable, that marriage is simply about consenting adult relationships of whatever formation the parties happen to prefer. This undermines the truth that children deserve a mother and father, one of each. That's something that we say a lot. Children deserve a mother and father. Ideally, they have a right to their mother and father. Now, we live in a broken world, and sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes there needs to be uh, redemption and healing of that brokenness through something like adoption. However, the ideal situation for a child, in all the data, all the social science that we have, points to this. The ideal situation for a child is to be with their married mother and father. And so for us to intentionally break that down, it's cruel. It's wrong. It's, again, putting the wants, the desires Uh, the sexual desires of two adults over the needs and the well-being of children. As we've said before, um, I think love is love is just as illogical, is just as crazy as saying trans women are women. Love is love is just circular, just like trans women are women is. If you're not defining what a woman is, then trans women are women doesn't actually mean anything. Woman doesn't actually mean anything. If love is just love and you're not defining 
love, then it doesn't mean anything. Love can be anything. And if love is love, that circular reasoning without any actual substantive definition is the foundation for reformulating marriage, then marriage can really be anything. I mean, if that's the only standard that you have, if that's your standard of what right and wrong is or how to define things, then marriage can be defined not just as between two men or two women. It can really be redefined as anything you want it to be as long as you justify it with saying, but this is love. And if love is just how you feel, if love is just lust, if love is just whatever you want, then there really are no parameters around that. That's what we argued all the way back when this was first being debated. And Christians were told that's a slippery slope fallacy. You're wrong. This is not going to lead to the justification of po- of polyamory or polygamy. This is not going to lead to the justification of, say, a non-adult and an adult relationship. This is not going to lead to anything else. It's not going to lead to thinking that men and women are interchangeable. No, that's crazy. Except it is. It is. It has done all of those things, actually. Because when you say that two men or two women is the exact same as a man and a woman, you are essentially saying that men and women are interchangeable. So if a child, you're saying, does just as well with two dads or two moms, which is just not true, but if that's what you're saying, you're basically saying there's no difference between a mom and a dad. There's no difference between men and women. And if that's the case, then why can't a man just declare that he's a woman one day and walk into the women's bathroom and compete against female cyclists? Why not? But if men and women are fundamentally different, if they're biologically different, if they bring different things to the table, then they're not interchangeable. A man cannot become a woman. And it's not the same to have a marriage relationship between two men or between two women. It's certainly not the same to have two parents that are two men or two women because we are fundamentally different. So marital norms, this article says, in America had already begun to crumble with the sexual revolution, with the rise of cohabitation, non-marital childbearing, no-fault divorce, and the hookup culture. Legal redefinition is a consequence of the cultural breakdown of marriage, which I think is a brilliant point that is really important, that it's not just the redefinition of marriage to be something other than between a man and a woman. Like the breakdown of the family and the consequences of the sexual revolution far predate Obergefell. Um, And we are actually seeing the consequences of that now. We're seeing the consequences of this kind of slope, which is indeed slippery. That's not a fallacy to say. It's very slippery. Back in 2015, here were some headlines in Politico 2015. No polygamy isn't the next gay marriage. 2015 in Time magazine, polygamy is not next. 2015 Washington Post, support for polygamy is rising, but it's not the new gay marriage. Don't worry, you crazy Christian conservatives. And now here are some headlines. USA Today, I'm wired differently. What it feels like to be polyamorous and how couples make it work. The Washington Examiner, the court that first legalized same-sex marriage now is legalizing polygamy too. The same New York state court that first recognized same-sex marriage over 30 years ago has now recognized polygamous relationships. What was normal or non-traditional in 1989 is not a barometer for what is normal or non-traditional. Now, one of the judges said, indeed, the definition of family has morphed considerably since 1989. 
Specifically, many articles have been written about multi-person relationships in recent years, revealing a preference that for some has long been known. IFL Science reports this. Polyamory is on the rise and society should be more accommodating, research argues. I mean, this is all over TikTok. It's all over social media. These polyamorous, polycule situations, relationships, even in which children are being raised, which is absolutely cruel. Just statistically, you are greatly increasing uh, the potential of that child being abused. The most dangerous place for a child to be is in a home with a non-biological male adult. That's not just that's not universal. That's not saying all stepdads. That's not what this is about. Statistically, it is the most likely for a child to be abused by a non-blood relative uh, in their home. So a step-parent, an uncle, a cousin. And so certainly this is true in these polyamorous relationships too. Not always, but statistically, it's going to be a lot more dangerous for children because we are prioritizing adults' wants, and in some cases, their sexual fetishes and their sexual drives above the welfare of children. And of course, the redefining of marriage that we did a few years ago led to something like this. Of course it did. Of course it did. This is what happens when you mess with nature. This is what happens when you mess with what the God who created all of us says is the actual definition of marriage, which he defines very clearly in the first chapter of the first book of the Bible. Now, we can say all of this and greatly sympathize with people who are attracted to the same sex, who, for obvious reasons, want to be able to marry that person and want to be afforded all of the rights that a man and a woman um, in the holy bonds of matrimony, uh, matrimony have. We can be sympathetic to that. We can understand that. We can say, yeah, they shouldn't be mistreated. We shouldn't be unkind to them. But we are never going to be able, it's never going to be the same. It's never going to be the same, no matter what the law says. It's not the same for two men or two women to come together in marriage as it is for a man and a woman. There is a lack of potential life-giving there that then requires typically all different forms of reproductive technology, which inherent in them uh, are all kinds of ethical problems that we've talked about uh, many times. And... That is one of the reasons why cultures throughout time and around the world have held as sacred this marital bond between a man and a woman that just can't be replaced. It just can't be replaced by the relationship between two men or two women. And so we see when we break down those definitions what it ends up leading to. And we've got some more consequences that we'll talk through in just a second. Let me tell you about our next sponsor, and that is Birch Gold. Uh, All right. The economic future of the United States is very precarious. It's very unpredictable. We don't know what it's going to look like. And so you just need to make sure that at least a portion of your savings are being protected through a hard asset like gold. Go through Birch Gold. They're some of the easiest people to work with. You will really like working with them. That's why they have thousands of five-star reviews, A-plus rating by the Better Business Bureau. They can tell you how to turn your 401k or IRA into an IRA in gold. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then just text Allie to 989-898. They'll send you a free info kit 
no obligation. You can just learn more about it. Text Allie to 989-898 for that free info kit on gold. Text Allie to 989-898. Okay, so this video was going around and we are going to censor it. People were sharing this uncensored on social media, which I understand why people share these kind of videos, but I just can't. I will not share an uncensored, like, nude video, especially when it's involving, like, children who are being forced by their weird parents to watch. But I do think it's important to talk about this stuff and to show as much as we can so that people who say, oh, that's not happening, can see that it's actually happening. So this was reported by the Post Millennial. Seattle held its 49th annual Pride Parade on Sunday, saying the LGBTQIA plus reunion is free, fun, community-wide celebration, advancing awareness of LGBTQIA plus issues, and promoting mutual respect and equal human Human rights for all, while the parade included a large group of naked men and women on bicycles. Because, okay, it's not about just wanting to get married. It's obviously not about that. Like, how many Fourth of July parades? Oh, Fourth of July, it's about the freedom of America. How many Fourth of July parades do you see with people nude, riding bikes, flashing themselves in front of bystanders? Uh, bystanders. Uh, Some were covered only in body pain, but others were completely naked, fully exposing their genitalia to children at the quote unquote family friendly event. So here uh, here's some of that. We censored it for y'all. You can thank me later. All right, so we just briefly showed you the shot of these children off to the side sitting there with, I guess, their parents and these men and women just completely naked standing in front of them. Now, I think it's weird and I think it's wrong and bizarre and depraved and perverted for these people to be riding their bikes naked, of course, but I think it is actually worse. I think it is worse for the parents to bring their kids to something like this, knowing that there's going to be this kind of thing on display there. I don't know if the people riding their bikes naked knew that there were going to be kids there, like wanted to show themselves in front of kids, although you would hope for like some kind of embarrassment, like you're riding around naked for whatever reason, you think only adults are looking at you, then you see a child and you're like, wow, I'm going to book it home. I'm so embarrassed. I don't want to show myself. Well, they don't feel that kind of shame. And the fact that parents are traumatizing their kids like this. And there's been uh, there's been some strange defense. So Brian Krasen, Krasenstein, he is a Democrat activist, social media influencer. I don't know. Uh, but he wanted to defend this. So again, this is not just something that Democrats, that people on the left are just pushing to the side is, oh, this is, you know, this is not happening. They're saying, no, it's okay that it's happening. It's fine, they say. So Libs of TikTok tweeted this. Uh, She tweeted it uncensored. So saw genitalia. And Brian uh, Krasenstein said, said this. Libs of TikTok tweeted out a video of the naked men on bicycles uh, to make a point that naked men on bicycles shouldn't be parading in front of kids. He says, I agree, but uh, she's posting on Twitter where kids who are, you know, 13 years old can see it. So 
that's wrong. Uh, but then he goes on to say, he goes on to say, seeing a man naked on a bike isn't going to have much of an effect on my kid. They have likely seen their father or or brother naked before. Sharing an uncensored video of a naked man on a bike to an audience of possibly three million, 30 million kids on Twitter. I don't think there's 30 million kids on Twitter. Is arguably worse than riding a bike naked in front of a kid or two in a planned event that the kid's parent took them to. I mean, I disagree. Again, I'm not going to share those uncensored videos for a variety of reasons. But for a parent to purposely take their child to a parade where they know there's a very high likelihood of there being nudity and also kink type things. Um, That is, I mean, that's far worse. That is like the worst dereliction of duty that you could even think of. Remember last year, no, this was 2021, I believe. There was a Washington Post op-ed by Lauren Ruello, who goes by they, them, of course, And this is the title. I only have to say the title of the article. Yes, kink belongs at Pride, and I want my kids to see it, she says. That was in the Washington Post, Pride 2021. She says, hashtag kink positivity. And she tells the story about how her child was very confused about these men, like in leather chaps, whipping each other. And how she wanted her child, who was obviously confused and traumatized by this, to be more accepting of it. Like, do you know what this does to kids? Like awakening sexual curiosity and sexual desire, depraved sexual desire in young children at a young age. It's called grooming. It grooms them to be vulnerable to sexual predation, to sexual molestation, to sexual assault. Makes them far more likely to be promiscuous when they are young. Um, Conditioning their mind to start thinking about sexual things before their bodies and minds are ready to do so, before they are even able intellectually, mentally to be able to consent to those things, you are making them vulnerable to a pornography addiction, but even even more, you are making them vulnerable to abuse. They're already thinking about those things. So when an adult comes along and wants to have those kinds of conversations to them, then groom them into a kind of a sexual relationship, they're already ripe for that kind of thing. That's actually what groomers do. That's what groomers do. You can read uh, the studies on this by psychologists. I think you can go to psychologytoday.com and you can read about what some signs are of a pedophile groomer. And one of the signs is starting to talk to young kids about sexual things to get them thinking about it, to get them talking about it. So they're more open to engaging in that kind of behavior. And so like when the right started this whole groomer, groomer, groomer thing, calling people groomers, it wasn't just out of nowhere. It's because having drag queen story hour, showing kids depictions of of sex and of naked bodies and introducing them to things like kink and this kind of sexual nudity of strangers, it is a form of grooming. It is making them ripe for predation and sexual relationships. And so... I mean, this has turned into a lot more than just being about uh, marriage and the freedom to love each other. How does it affect us? Well, I mean, thankfully, we aren't taking our kids. Uh, no one in this audience is taking our kids to pride parades. But a lot of our kids um, are trying to watch TV shows. Uh, they're trying to get an education and are constantly bombarded 
uh, with propaganda about being a they them or being able to change your gender that maybe you're born in the wrong body, even inappropriate sex education that we're seeing pushed by entities like Planned Parenthood is young as kindergarten. So yeah, it's affecting everyone. How is it affecting Jack Phillips? You might ask, how is it affecting the florist? How is it affecting people who simply want to abide by their conscience and running their business and yet are harassed by left-wing LGBTQ activists? Now, is this representative of everyone who identifies as gay or everyone who identifies even as trans? No, I don't think so. I don't think that most people who are attracted to the same sex or who think that they're the opposite gender, while I obviously call that sin, um, I don't think that they're sexual predators. I don't think that they're interested in showing themselves off to kids. I don't think most of them are even attending parades like that. Most of them probably do just want to live their lives. But even so, Christian conservatives called it. We called it back in 2015. We called it a lot, uh, a long time before that that this is going to open the door to the redefinition of everything, to breaking down all parameters when it comes to sexuality and family and child welfare. And we were right. We were even more right than we wanted to be, than we thought that we would be. Think about how quickly this has gone from 2015 to today. It hasn't even been 10 years. And here we are justifying and celebrating the so-called transition of minors through puberty blockers, And double mastectomies. Wow, that happened fast. That happened really fast. And yes, it did start with the breaking down the uh, barriers and the parameters and the definitions of what a marriage is. Um, If you redefine marriage, the most fundamental human institution, you can redefine everything. And again, it goes back to exchanging the God of scripture for the God of self. Love Thy Body by Nancy Piercy ties together all of these different pieces, homosexuality and abortion and gender, promiscuity, how it's all um, a wrong idea of what the body is and what the body is for and who God is, too. We're having her on next week. Two-part conversation. I think it's going to be on the third and on the 5th. We're taking a break on the 4th for the 4th of July, but she's got a new book out about masculinity. Oh, the conversation is so good, but we will also talk about Love Thy Body because it's like my favorite book ever. Um, And so she will break this all down for us in such just a fascinating way and a biblical way too. So look forward to that. Um, All right, before we close it out, let me tell you about our last sponsor for the day, and that is Public square. All right. You're trying to transfer your money from companies that hate you to companies that actually align with your values. And so if you want to know how to do that, if you need ideas for who to support rather than Starbucks, rather than Target, then go to Public Square, the Public Square app. It's spelled Public SQ, Public SQ, but it stands for Public Square. So you can go to publicsq.com. You can download the app. All you have to do is put in your email address, put in your location, and then you can see all these companies and services that align with your value. So you know which coffee shop to support, which clothing boutique to support, et cetera. You can also list your business if you're a small business owner and you want people to be able to find you that align with your values. You can list your business for free on the Public Square app. So go to publicsq.com, download the app today. That's publicsq.com. All right, how are we doing with our Target boycott? Uh, I haven't been asking about this. I've been meaning to post on Instagram to see if you guys have kept it up for the month of June. 
And uh, I, well, I've been boycotting Target since last year when I found out that they were selling the chest binders to kids. And we covered, you can go back and listen to that episode. We covered everything that Target is selling and promoting this year and how disturbing it is. And I encourage you guys, at least for the month of June, just give up Target. You can totally do it. I'm wondering if you guys have stood strong. Target has taken a bit of a hit. Um, uh, because of this, uh, it is slightly up from the lowest point it hit during mid-June. And so, of course, that's going to happen. That doesn't mean that your um, divestment from Target doesn't matter, though. Even if they still are able to be buoyed, I mean, they're a major corporation. They're backed by their shareholders. Um, and so, yes, of course, they are probably going to be fine. But I still think it's important for us to, as much as we can, align our dollars with our values. That, for me, I was spending way too much money at Target. I don't boycott everything. I would love to. I don't boycott everything. I was spending too much money at Target, and they were just doing too much that I didn't agree with. I also have given up Starbucks. That was a little bit difficult because I really like to drink from there, and it's really close to my house, and it's really convenient. Also, toughest one, toughest one has been anthropology. Gave up anthropology. I mean, this is probably the longest that I've gone without buying anything at all from anthropology. Um, but since they decided to put a man in a dress on their Instagram, I was like, oh, okay, maybe it's not a women's clothing store anymore. I, I don't know. I don't have broad shoulders like that. So I don't even know if I can fit their dresses. So those are the big ones that I've given up. Of course, when it comes to like other little shops or something. I'm always checking to see like what the values are on Instagram. And I try to choose the shop that best aligns with my values. Um, and I'm always looking for people and businesses to support. But there's still, I mean, there are still places I go to that spend money in ways that I don't like. I don't know if it's possible to boycott everything. Maybe, but we should try the best that we possibly can. And Target is a great one because their success rises and falls on people like you, the related gals, the related bells in this audience. So keep it up. Keep it up. Um, all right. That's all we've got for today. We will be back here tomorrow. 